Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I am so excited about the guest that I have on the program today. His name is uh, Jonathan Katab, and he is a international human rights lawyer, and um, he's a co-founder of the Palestinian Human Rights Group, Al-Haq, and co-founder of Nonviolence International. And I'm going to let him say a little bit uh, about himself here in a little bit and introduce himself. But if uh, for those wondering how I found out about him, uh, I came across an interview with him on Al Jazeera and I was listening to that. He was explaining a lot of things going over there uh, from the Palestinian perspective. But then uh, they were talking about the American Christian support for Israel that is often pretty frustrating to me. And especially too, because people make it a Bible issue like this is obedience to Genesis 12. This is obedience to the scriptures. And when I was listening to him, uh, he brought up Genesis 12 and how Christians often interpret that and how what it actually means. And he proceeded to just say exactly what we have been teaching on this program. And so that really got my attention. I enjoyed the interview and I have been wanting to have somebody on the program. I just didn't know who. Uh, someone who understands life in Palestine. And so uh, after I watched that uh, program, I immediately reached out to him and he agreed to come on to the program. And so, uh, if, if, you know, Jonathan, if you'll just introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your organization, I would appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you. I'm a uh, Palestinian uh, Christian. I take my faith very uh, seriously as a commitment to my Lord and Savior that governs all aspects of my life, including my politics, including my attitude towards violence and war and peace, including my attitude towards uh, justice, towards loving one's enemy, towards uh, all the teachings that Jesus has taught us. We need to live our lives in accordance to the rules of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that is within us, uh, rather than uh, according to worldly uh, constructs. I I agree 100%. Every one of those things you mentioned, it's like we forget all those things whenever it comes to the subject of uh, Israel and Palestine. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that, that you representing that. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, organization that you're a part of. Well, I, I'm part of several organizations, of course. Uh, I'm involved with Bethlehem Bible College, which is a an evangelical institution in Bethlehem. I'm involved in Nonviolence International, which is a secular organization, uh, but it believes in nonviolence, uh, basically the way of Christ uh, that should apply to all parts of the world. I was involved with Al-Haq, which is a human rights organization uh, that documents and researches and works uh, for uh, defending human rights and the rule of law. Again, a secular organization, uh, but it's also, uh, it's my Christian commitment mm -hmm. that has led me to uh, help create that organization and work within it. Uh, I'm also uh, executive director of uh, Sabil. Uh, Fosna, uh, Friends of Sabil North America, which works on Palestinian liberation theology, which is a way of getting our faith 
becoming applicable in the situation of Palestine Israel today. Okay. So, yeah, what's interesting to me uh, when I was looking into you and something that we often forget, because it's like we're just so brainwashed over here in America with stuff, but there are a lot of Christians in the Palestinian territories. And we're all taught to kind of think they're all Muslims, they're all terrorists, and, you know, we just need to make Gaza a parking lot, is what a lot of Baptists were saying. And, uh, but when I was looking into, you know, the things you represent, I, I came across the Bethlehem Bible College. And it does seem like there's a, a significant presence of Christians over in Palestinian areas. And you have a Bible college right there in Palestine. I was looking at the website, looking at the doctrinal statement and, you know, everything looks great on it. Tell, tell us a little bit of, about the, uh, cause I guess the, one of the goals of this interview is I'm hoping maybe you can help the people who are listening to this you know, understand what actually is going on in Palestine, you know, versus what we're being told from the news media, especially concerning the Christians. So can you tell us a little bit about that Bible college and just, you know, the Christian presence in these Palestinian territories? Well, the Christian Palestine, uh, presence in Palestine is historic. From the day of the Pentecost, uh, there were people who spoke Arabic and who uh, uh, joined with the early church. The Christian presence has been continuous in the Holy Land from the time of Christ to this day. Uh, the numbers may not be as great now as they used to be because a lot of them have immigrated, uh, but the presence is even way beyond our numbers because there are Christian institutions, schools, hospitals, orphanages, uh, civil society organizations that serve in the name of Christ but that serve Muslims and uh, Christians equally. Uh, you know, offering a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty, not only to the Christians who, who are thirsty, mm -hmm. uh, caring for uh, the sick. Again, uh, Jesus's love is extended to everybody equally. Okay. Yeah. And now I had the privilege of uh, going to Bethlehem. This was way back in 2000. And I remember uh, going to the Church of the Nativity and um you know seeing all the places over there and so these churches i mean they go back you know centuries and centuries and and so the reality is there's plenty of evidence that christians and palestinians have coexisted in these places for a long time and i had a um a non-zionist orthodox uh jewish rabbi on the program a while back and you know according to him christians jews Muslims, they all coexisted great until the Zionist movement. And so um, while we're all kind of taught to be scared of the Muslims over here and of the of the Palestinians, um, you know, do you think that Zionism is what's kind of agitated everything over over there? You know, how scared are should Christians be in some of these Palestinian places? Do we need to be scared? See, the Zionist movement uh, takes uh, the idea of uh, Jewish uh, life and Jewish interests and makes it political. They advocate for a Jewish state. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, uh, in my view, Jesus' teaching is that of the kingdom of God. Uh, there's a separation. My kingdom is not of this world. Mm -hmm. 
so that we are in the world but not of the world. So we can be good Christian citizens of the United States mm-hmm. or of Palestine uh, or of Iraq or of Russia. Uh, our foremost allegiance should always be to Jesus Christ, of course, but we can be citizens of whatever country we are in. The problem with Zionism is that it says, this is a state of the Jews, mm-hmm. for the Jews. Well, what do you do with the non-Jews who have been living there? What do you do with Christians who are living there? Uh, what do you do with Muslims and others? Now, what do you do with secular people? Uh, I mean, uh, Jesus's message is for everybody, uh, but it is not a divisive message that says only Christians are loved by God. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whether you're Jew or Gentile, uh, will not perish, but uh, be accepted into the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. No, that that's good stuff. So when it comes to... Um in these Palestinian territories, you know, while we often think of them as being dangerous and all that kind of stuff, you know, and a lot of Christians are even scared to go over there. You know, um, I went to Israel on 2023 or the end of 2022. And, um, I spent a lot of time mostly in Jerusalem. I was in the Palestinian areas. I, I always felt safe. I, I loved hanging around the people there. I mean, I, I had a great time, but I guess, what is life like between the Christians and the Palestinians in these areas? I mean, do they typically get along good or do they all kind of keep to themselves? You know, Well, Christians are Palestinians hmm. uh, and they are part of the Palestinian people. Now, uh, they are a little different because they are not Muslim and they are not Jewish. They are Christian. Uh, so that there is an ethnic part there where uh, Palestinian Christians uh, feel they are part of the Palestinian people, uh, but their allegiance, again, uh, as Christians, as, as it should be, is to, to, to Jesus, uh, as, as we understand uh, his revelation to the world. Uh, now, it is true that as this kind of secular Palestinian nationalism which respects but doesn't impose religion on anybody, uh, as it becomes weaker and weaker uh, in its confrontation with Zionism, there are Islamic movements that come up that emphasize the Muslim aspects uh, of, of, of this. And, and I don't like that, uh, but it is, uh, for me, it is not so much the danger or the threat. The danger and the threat are by those who believe in exclusivity. Mm-hmm. that this is only for Jews or that this is only for Muslims mm-hmm. or that this is only for Christians. Uh, I think this is where you run into problems. But if you accept that all the citizens are equal, if you accept the principle of equality in politics, at least, if, if your religion allows you to see uh, everybody as God's children, everybody needing uh, God's salvation, and, and, and God's favor, uh, but you don't discriminate against those who don't follow your religion, uh, then, then we are fine. Mm. So what do you, what does it do to you yourself? And uh, what does it tell other Palestinians when they see Christians? I mean, so emphatically supporting Israel, standing with Israel 
and being very hostile towards Palestinians. Now, I, I still think it's wrong. I think the majority of Christians feel like they're standing against Muslims, you know, which I'm, yeah, I'm finding out and you're telling me more and more that it's not just Muslims. There's a lot of Christians over there too, but I mean, what, what, well, what is the testimony of the American Christian over there? This is, this is when the Bible gets weaponized uh, in favor of a particular political philosophy. Mm. Uh, uh, the Bible teaches God's love uh, for everybody mm. and God's salvation to everybody. But when somebody cherry picks a few verses here and there, usually out of context, to support a political view or a political philosophy, then you run into problems. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the Genesis verse, for example. Uh, I will bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee. Through your seed will all the nations of the world be blessed. Mm -hmm. uh, that is always quoted by Christian Zionists. What they don't tell you is what the Bible says about the seed of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, the, seed, uh, the seed of Abraham. It's, it's, and, uh, and Paul makes it very clear in Galatians. The seed of Abraham is used in the singular, which is Christ. It is through Christ that all the nations of the world are blessed. Not through Benjamin Netanyahu, <laughs> not through the modern day state of Israel. It is through Christ that all the nations of the world are blessed. Uh, this is the message of Jesus. And, and, and I don't know how they succeeded in fooling so many Christians to ignore what the Bible says and, and follow this political uh, interpretation. <laughs> well, yeah, and <laughs> I, I, I love hearing you say that. You are 100% right. And one of the things that I've learned over the last several years is I'm afraid that when it comes to, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself an independent fundamental Baptist, but the independent fundamental Baptist, I'm finding out their doctrine, their practices, it's a very, it's, it's a very Americanized thing. And it's been very influenced by politics. And so theology just goes out the window with a lot of these things. And so what you just said, while it's a hundred percent biblical, that is not being taught in most Baptist churches, no matter how clear it is. And even when people like myself bring these things up, you typically get attacked. And, you know, Christianity is not something that, you know, it's very clear. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Yet Christians, for some reason, they love seeing bloodshed if it advances this political movement that they have they've bought into. And I think it's an I think it's an absolute shame. I feel like that in their minds, and, and I, I do have a question about this. I don't know, if, I'm sure you've probably heard this before, but it's like all of a sudden when it comes to Israel, they have a mindset like we're back in the old testament and they're supposed to be conquering the land and wiping out all the Canaanites. And I've heard people even refer to Palestinians as Philistines, Amalekites. And I feel like they use these terms to justify genocides, et ethnic cleansing, which we have not been called to do as Christians, but it's like, but the Jews can when it comes to their land. So you know, what do you say to those who claim that Palestinians are Amalekites, Philistines, you know, where does that, or that they're not even a people or a nation? What do you say well, about that? Well, I, I tell them that they're, they're doing, they're making two mistakes. First, they're jumping over 2000 years of history. Mm -hmm. 
what's been happening in the Holy Land for 2,000 years. Uh, between the kingdom of Israel back in Solomon and uh, David's time and, and the modern day state of Israel with Benjamin Netanyahu and Ben Gvir and uh, it, it's like the history, they're jumping over all that history. More importantly, they're jumping over the New Testament. Mm -hmm. They're jumping over Jesus and his, uh, and his ministry. Because when Jesus came, everybody expected, says, are you going to restore the kingdom to the Jews? Mm -hmm. Are you going to get rid of the Roman occupiers? Are you going to make us a Jewish state again, just like the days of King David and Solomon? And Jesus told them, no, 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 no. My kingdom is not of this world. I have come to give you a new promise, a new covenant, a new testament, a new uh, theology of a God who is not limited to Palestine and Israel, who who's, loves the whole world, of a God who is not limited to one tribe, the Hebrews, but, but who loves all mankind. Even Americans are included mm -hmm. in God's new love. We can all be children of God. We don't have to be children according to the flesh, according to the blood. And Jesus was very clear about that. Just don't call yourself children of Abraham. God can make out of these stones children of Abraham. You, your circumcision is not the circumcision of the flesh that counts. It's circumcision of the spirit. So even as a Jewish rabbi, Jesus was saying, your blood relation to Abraham does not count. Mm -hmm. Your relationship is with God and it's based on your actions, your commitment, your faith, not on your uh, supposed ancestry uh, that you are connected to uh, Abraham. No, no, no. That counts for nothing. Mm -hmm. In well, God's sight, it's, it's, it's your soul. It's your belief that mm -hmm. counts. Yes. Well, and it's clear that you understand this. And frustratingly, I can't get most Baptists over here to understand this, but the land served a purpose for a time. The temple served a purpose for a time. And, but those things were imposed on them, the Bible says, until the time of Reformation. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he finished all those things. So we don't need a land. We don't need Jerusalem or a temple or anything like that. And Jesus flat out told the woman at the well that, you know, that time was coming where you're not going to say in this mountain, you know, the father, father's looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we can't Christianity, we, we can have it in the whole world and not just Christianity, a relationship with God that, that only comes through Jesus Christ. And so to watch Christians encourage Jews to go back to a system that God finished with. I, I think it's, I think that's negative towards the Jews. And so not only is it resulting in a lot of their blood being shed, but it's going to result in a lot of the blood of Palestinians being shed as well. And I just, I, I find it frustrating that Christians are, are doing this. Well, I, I think it's primarily out of ignorance and I'm not using it as a negative word. Ignorance means lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. They don't know the history. They don't know their Bible. <laughs> yes. They don't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. They don't read it in context. They just take a political position, 
support for Zionism and the state of Israel, and then cherry pick a few verses here and there, uh, and, and, and ignore Jesus' message, mm -hmm. which was one of love, was one of peace, was one of openness and universality that goes beyond the territorial and the tribal aspects of, of what people had in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Jesus did not come to destroy the Old Testament, but to fulfill it mm -hmm. and to open us to a new reality, which encompasses love for all mankind, love for the whole world. It says, you know, uh, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. They inherit the earth, mm -hmm. not just the land of Israel. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I guess until a little something maybe a little more controversial. So since October 7th, obviously, everybody's been talking. And and so, you know, from what has been reported and maybe um, maybe there this isn't completely true and you can tell me what you think about it. But it does appear that, you know, some pretty horrific things took place that day by Hamas towards the Jewish people. And so while I think, you know, everyone would agree that not all Palestinians are sympathetic towards Hamas and all that kind of thing, you know, do you think, though, that Palestinians maybe do bear some responsibility in the sense that they're allowing Hamas to flourish among them to where they're able to do well, this type of thing? Let's hold off a second. Here. Okay. I, I'm not Hamas and I don't support Hamas and I don't like their uh, ideology. But Hamas is part of the Palestinian people. Mm -hmm. And it's also part of the struggle of the Palestinian people. And what happened on October 7, uh, two things happened. There was a military operation mm -hmm. where they actually captured two military bases, killed 300 soldiers and captured about 50 others. And, and, and that is part of armed struggle. Mm -hmm. And even though I myself am a pacifist, I think the way of Christ is not the way of the gun or the sword. That is a legitimate action. Mm -hmm. They also attacked civilians. Mm -hmm. That is not legitimate. Mm -hmm. They took civilians as hostages. That is a war crime. And that is wrong. But, but we, we, we shouldn't demonize all of Hamas just because of what happened on that day. Yeah, because what happened on that day is part of the struggle of the Palestinians. Some aspects of it are wrong. And I am opposed to them. And I've said that from day one, even before October 7, I have been preaching nonviolence, mm -hmm. that we need to work for justice nonviolently, not through armed struggle, uh, but through working through human rights and, and uh, international law and the like. Uh, so we should not buy the, the, the popular view that Hamas is absolutely evil. Hamas is wrong. I don't like them, but they are a political party. Just like they are Israeli parties that are, are totally wrong, uh, that are racist, openly racist, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that believe only Jews belong there and everybody else should be either killed or kicked out. But that doesn't mean that I demonize them and that I go and kill every Israeli and try to destroy Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the fact that one maybe not, does not like Hamas and I don't like Hamas doesn't mean that that justifies, you know, killing everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, Hamas has uh, military aspects. They also have a government that has hospitals and schools. Uh, they also have an ideology. 
that, that believes in armed struggle to liberate Palestine. So we need to deal with Hamas. We need maybe to defeat them, but also to negotiate with them. Mm. Uh, just like every other movement in, in history, which has some negative aspects and some positive aspects, just like Israel itself has some very negative aspects, but also it is something that you need to come to terms with and to deal with it right. rather than demonize it. Right. So now this and this right here, I think, is a crucial part of the conversation, because <laughs> whenever this conversation starts to take place where we just ended up right now, what I'm supposed to do if I follow the catechisms of the news media is I just attack you and I virtue signal because, you know, how dare you say anything positive about Hamas because they did X, Y and Z. And, and then what we never, ever do. And then we ignore the fact that, well, because of what Hamas did. You know, Israel, they've definitely overreacted too. a lot of civilians are dying, but we don't we don't even get to that part. Now, here's where I want the people listening. I, I want them to hear what you have to say. I know a little about this, uh, but m this part of the conversation always gets shut down. And I want to hear what you have to say about this. But while you agree that Hamas, they're uh, going after civilians was wrong. And I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Absolutely. while you don't like them, and I agree, at the same time, they're not doing it for absolutely no reason. You know, a lot of people think this battle started on October 7th. They have been being pushed and prodded for a very long time. And so maybe tell us a little bit, you know, not you're not justifying it. You're not excusing their response but can you tell us what would make these people um, respond in the ways that they do? Well, even before Hamas was even created, Israel has been occupying Palestinian land. Mm -hmm. They've been oppressing Palestinians, denying us our freedoms. And uh, before, long before October 7th, Gaza was under siege. Nobody could go in or out. Uh, you can't have food, you can't have agriculture, you can't have industry, you can't have freedom of movement, you can't even have elections, you can't do anything without Israel imposing its will on you. It was like, it was called an open air prison. It was clearly an oppressive situation, which the UN says is going to become unlivable by 2020, where there is no uh, free water, no, no, no potable, drinkable water, uh, where, where nobody can go in or out. Everybody is crowded into this area. And, and most two thirds of the people in Gaza are refugees mm -hmm. who lost their homes in 1948 when the state of Israel was created. So these people who are trying to eke out a living and they're under constant pressure and it's a pressure cooker. And one day that cooker exploded. Mm -hmm. And yes, some of their actions clearly were wrong and, 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 and even were war crimes, I think. Uh, so, but, but that doesn't give you an excuse. Aha, now we can totally obliterate them, right. destroy them, eliminate right. them. Genocide is what is happening now. And, and I, I particularly feel for the children, the yes. women and the children. I mean, over 10,000 children have died. Yes. I mean, these are not combatants. 
These have never voted for anybody, Hamas or anybody else. Right. So, and so, you know, so you mentioned several things there too that I don't think people realize. You mentioned they're not allowed to have elections. So, if if they're not allowed to have elections, you know, then who is responsible for their leadership? How they do did they have? They did have elections about fifteen years ago. Okay. And during these elections. They had some choices which were not that great. Mm-hmm. They had the Fatah, which was the more moderate, but also very corrupt and ineffective. They had Hamas, which was more Islamicist, but which was also trying to join the political process, who actually won the elections, but nobody would accept them and nobody would allow them to rule. And that's why they imposed this siege on Gaza and, and Hamas said, we won the elections. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't somebody deal with us? And they told, nope, you are not acceptable to the international community. Uh, I wouldn't vote for for Hamas, but but I believe in, in, in a political process and, and you should defeat them mm-hmm. in elections. And you should have elections every two years, four years, whatever. And there should be a transition of power and you should judge them according to how well they serve the people. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, and if you don't respect the results of the elections, and if you don't allow the people who, who want to basically rule and provide services, uh, then after a while say, okay, if, if you don't like us, right. we will do whatever else we, we need to do. So, yeah, and so tell me if I'm wrong, because it it appears that Americans are acting like, well, the Palestinians, the people in Gaza, they're responsible because they have allowed wicked leadership when in reality, they will not let them set up leadership because technically the Israelis are in charge. They've they've literally turned it into a prison city where they are making their lives miserable so the reality is the israelis have kind of created the mess that's there i mean actually actually the the israelis even created hamas itself as a counterbalance right to uh, fatah which was a a national secular movement but but look the israelis themselves have chosen some very bad leaders yes who are very right-wing And everybody's been talking about how right-wing the Israeli government is, how totally unhinged they are, how they're not interested in a two-state solution, how they're settling more and more settlements, how they're uh, destroying uh, democracy even for Jews. Uh, But the fact that the leaders are bad doesn't mean you can attack all the people. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you can kill all the people. Doesn't mean you can destroy all the schools and all the hospitals and all the churches and mosques and institutions and libraries uh, because we don't like your government. Mm -hmm. We don't like who you uh, elected. Uh, There there are many governments in the world, and and I I would argue that all governments in the world fall short of the glory of God. Oh, absolutely. They all have problems, but that doesn't mean they're all illegitimate and it doesn't mean that that allows you to go and kill all the people because they have elected the wrong people mm. or that they have failed to overthrow uh, the, the the bad people who are ruling them whether you talk about north korea south korea i mean in the united states we don't always choose the best leaders but that doesn't mean that every american uh, should be targeted or killed because we don't like 
the policies of the government that they have elected. Right. So, uh, and see if maybe you can enlighten me on this, because this is something I don't completely understand about the Israeli leadership. So from what I understand, before October 7th, Netanyahu was about to get thrown out as prime minister. I know there was a lot of protests going on in Israel. A lot of people over there are complaining about the right wing uh, government that they have going going on over there. And, and it did appear that the big winner in the uh, or the big uh, in October 7th was Netanyahu. Like it like it saved his job. I mean, uh, what I guess what was his problem with his own people that he had going on? Well, Netanyahu and, and his allies were becoming much more radical, much more right-wing, much more openly fascist and racist, uh, much more, much less democratic. And they wanted to even control the courts and prevent the courts from being sort of a restraining influence on him. Uh, you see, the Israeli system doesn't have separation of powers between judiciary, legislative, and uh, executive, like we do in the United States. They don't even have a constitution. Hmm. Uh, so, so they do have a judiciary, uh, the legislative and the executive branches are mixed together. Whoever wins the election really runs the government as well as writes the laws. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, 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 the courts were something of a restraint on them. And Netanyahu was trying to weaken the courts and re-weaken the restraints and pass laws which even the courts cannot overturn for being unreasonable. So a lot of people were saying Israel is becoming openly fascist and non-democratic for Jews, never mind for Arabs. For mm -hmm. Arabs, it's never been democratic. Mm -hmm. It's never given them equality. It's never given them freedom. It's never given them uh, the, 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 the right because they were under military rule or they were under siege as in Gaza. They were totally controlled from the outside. Uh, so Netanyahu was already in trouble because he needed, he, he was going to be tried for, uh, for his own crimes. Uh, and, and, and this war gave him an opportunity. And many people are arguing that he is continuing the war now pretty much indefinitely mm -hmm. because he has set up goals which cannot be achieved. He wants to eliminate Hamas and he wants to create conditions where Palestinians will never become radicalized mm -hmm. while he is radicalizing them all the time, uh, which means that this war will not end. It's right. not a question of weeks or even months. He says it's going to continue throughout 2024 and beyond. Right. Yeah, And he knows that as long as the war is taking place, there will be no new elections in Israel and he is getting away with basically with murder. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that, you know, one of the other things you had mentioned earlier, too, about how the Zionists took Palestinian land in the minds of most Christians, that is Jewish land based on Genesis 12. And you already showed uh, how that was about Christ. And uh, I, I find that whole thing very frustrating. But I, I will say that is the mentality of most people over here, that even if you start bringing up the Christians that are there, you know, even uh, they are like, well, 
the land belongs to the Jews, Genesis 12. So the, the thing is, in Zionism, no, no. what God? Sorry, in the Bible, it's very clear. The land doesn't belong to the Jews. The land belongs to God. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm 100% I'm with you. And I'm and trying to get Baptists on board with this. And I just, it, it they, are, they are so rooted in their Zionism. But it is, does seem very clear. And, and, and I think I can speak because I used to kind of be of that persuasion. But um, with the Zionists in America, and I think Netanyahu would line up with this, they want every bit of that land to go to the Jews. They want Palestinians gone. And, and, but then on the other side, we're being told that the Pal Palestinians want the elimination of the Jews as well. And I know on your website, I saw you have a book called Beyond the Two-State Solution. And so first off, is it possible for a two-state solution? Are Palestinians okay with that for the most part? I'm sure there's radicals that aren't, but uh, at the same time, you know, what does that look like in, in your mind? Well, Palestinians were okay with a two-state solution, myself included. The two-state solution says you divide the land some portions for Jews and some portions for Arabs. But the Israelis started building Jewish settlements in the small parts, in the 22% that was supposed to be a Jewish state. You have the settlers setting up Jewish settlements and expanding them. So after a while, you scramble at the point where you cannot unscramble it. So then you say, okay, if we cannot unscramble this egg, can we share it? Can we have an omelet? Can we all live as equals? The problem with Zionism, it says, no, this is only for Jews. Well, what do you do with non-Jews? You kill them all? You throw them all out? Or you keep them, but give them no rights? Mm -hmm. You take their land and their homes and you push them out? Where do they go? What happens to the indigenous population? What happens to the Christians of the land? Mm -hmm. You see, even in the Old Testament, there were some, you know, at the time when people were thinking in terms of God gave this land to Jews, he divided it among the different tribes. He told them the foreigners in there should also take a share. And that land is not yours. You are possessing it as long as you are obedient to God and obedient to the requirements of justice. If not, the land will throw you out. Mm -hmm. And this has happened in the Old Testament. A couple of times, people were kicked out of the land because it doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. It belongs to God. And you stay there as long as you are obedient to God and you fulfill the requirements of justice. That's even in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. The New Testament comes and says, forget it. My kingdom is not of this world. I am the Lord of the whole universe, not just of the land of Canaan. I love all people and not just the Jewish people. I love the Jewish people. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I love the Jewish people, but I also love other people. So the, the concept of the people of God is expanded to include many people like us, like you and me, who are not Jewish, but who are also children of God and loved by God. Yeah. Well, this is the whole New Testament message that is totally ignored by Christian Zionists. Right. 
Well, yes, because what you were explaining is literally Christianity. But for some reason, when we when we end up in Israel, you know, where Christianity was introduced, where it started, we throw it all out the window and we, we're going back to this old covenant system. And, uh, you know, a word that and it, it's, it's just strange, too, because like, for example, the word apartheid, you know, every, everybody knows that's a bad thing. And, you know, and if we do something like that in America or any other country, people are up in arms, but yet they are supportive of it in Israel. And so, you know, explain the concept of apartheid in case some don't know what it is and how it's actually taking place over there. It's very simple. Apartheid says people should live apart, should not live together. There should be one set of laws for one group, whites, blacks, whatever, and a separate set of rules and institutions for the others. So whether you're talking Jim Crow, whether you're talking segregation, whether you're talking racism and discrimination, or whether this is a system that's created by law that separates and allows one group to dominate the other groups, this is wrong. This is now a crime under international law. We are beyond that. And I would like to think that even before apartheid became a crime, we Christians were opposed to it mm -hmm. because we believe God loves everybody and that a law or a system of laws uh, that oppresses one group and that allows one group to dominate over the others, that's not God's will for us. That's not how we should live. You know, even the distinction between Jew and Gentile was totally demolished in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. That that's what happened with Peter and Paul and the others, because there were still some people who says you have to become Jewish first before you can become a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. God's love is open to everybody. There is no such thing as a group that is evil or that's dirty or that's unclean or that's not. No, they are all God's children. They are all welcomed into the Feast of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. So something I think that's um, causing a lot of confusion in this area for especially Christians. So in America, it's typically your Republicans, your right wing that is very vocally supportive of Israel, where since October 7th, we have seen a it feels like a growing um, sympathy for the Palestinians. However, a lot of the pro-Palestinian stuff we see taking place in America is being advanced by people who are on the far left. And so a lot of Christians, you know, they, they typically take a position that's just opposite of what the far left is promoting. So, uh, what are, what are we to make of that, that the far left who we associate with all evil with the, where when they're pro-Palestinian, doesn't that mean there's got to be something wrong with being pro-Palestinian? Well, I don't know what you mean by the left, but I think a lot of what we believe as Christians is left. Mm -hmm. When we care for the poor, when we care for the sick, mm -hmm. when we believe in equality, uh, when we uh, show caring for those who are living in poverty, uh, that's not left. That's Christian teaching. Mm -hmm. 
Right. When we talk about equality, when we oppose racism, uh, when we oppose injustice, when we call for liberty for the captives, this is Christ's message. Mm -hmm. Christ came in to, to declare good news, especially to those who are marginalized, who are weak. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you mean by left or, or I, well, I think Christ's message, Christ's right. message is what we should be after. And if, if, if it happens to be the same message by the leftists or by the rightists or by the Republicans or by the Democrats, I don't care because my commitment is to Christ's message. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that aligns with what the Republicans are saying. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes right. it aligns with what the Democrats are saying. And sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Well, what I think we have going on here is like, obviously everything you said, again, it's Christianity. You know, we, we would all agree with that. However, Republicans they have taken certain aspect of Christianity, certain buzz, buzzwords, and they've used that to pander to the to the evangelicals. Where the Democrats, they've taken all, you know, or the left wing, they've taken a lot of the words that you've mentioned too, and they've used those things as a way to kind of advance some of their agenda that those on the right would seem. So again, it does appear that there are forces out there trying to cause division. And to, to the point where we where people will almost stand against all these Christian values that you mentioned and where and even Christians, we found ourselves even promoting genocides and wiping out entire groups of people. And I it's it's amazing how we let these people distract us and just take a position based on politics rather than on scriptures and just actually judging a situation. I, I think it's also a misunderstanding of Jesus's teaching about kingdom uh, and power. Mm -hmm. uh, I think God calls us to be involved in public life, mm -hmm. but I don't think God calls us to become ourselves, the rulers mm -hmm. and impose our views on everybody else. You see, because I'm a Christian, I'm involved in uh, political issues of justice and of peace, but I don't want to come and impose Christianity on other people and use force and violence to impose my views because I will always uh, have a position towards the government. I stand in opposition. Sometimes I support, sometimes mm -hmm. I don't, but I never give my full allegiance to the government, whoever they are. Yeah. And I never make seeking power my Christian duty. Mm -hmm. It's seeking good things in government is my Christian duty, but not seeking power mm -hmm. to become myself the ruler who imposes these things. However good they are, however wonderful they are, I always stand in opposition to whatever government it is, whether I'm in Soviet Russia or in the United States or, or in Israel, Palestine or anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't need to support fully anybody. I will support everybody if they're doing the right thing. Right. But I will not give my full allegiance to anybody uh, but my Lord and Savior. Right. Well, I think as Christians, you know, 
I've, you you cannot force Christianity on a people. It's a heart thing between an individual and God. So to try to use government to force Christianity or any religion is ridiculous. And it, it, I think it's I think it's counterproductive personally. And you know, and at the same time too, what I believe we've even been called to pray for when it comes to our leaders, we're, we are to pray for our leaders because it's our desire that we will be able to live in peace and unopposed by the government. And I think, and to me, while I am vehemently opposed to many different religions, I don't believe a government should try to stop people from practicing their religion as long as that religion does not violate other people's rights. You know, if your religion is to kill people, you see, then you should be stopped, you know, but. You see, this is, this is the temptation that Christians have always had. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, he says, I'll give you the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I will make you the ruler. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, I think many times in, in Christian history, since the time of Constantine, we have tried to make the world Christian mm -hmm. through the Crusades. Uh, and one of the one of the reasons I love what this country does is this country was created on the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. it, the, the constitution starts by saying, no, you cannot by law impose religion. You need to keep the two separate. You can be involved mm -hmm. as a religious person in making this a better world, a better country, a more perfect union, but you can never force it on others who may not agree with you. Uh, that's why this country, you can you can be a Muslim, you can be a Jew, you can be uh, an atheist and still be a citizen with equal rights. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So before I get to my final question that I, I want to ask you, I did, I did uh, forget to mention one thing um, that I'm just curious about. I know one of the things that I remember hearing about in the news recently was there was the bombing of a Baptist hospital in Gaza. And I was surprised to hear there was a Baptist hospital in Gaza just because, um, you know, I'm an independent Baptist and you just, you don't hear Baptists talking about going to Palestine, you know, that a lot go to Israel, but, um, what is, you know, is there much of a Baptist presence in Palestine and, and, you know, what is it like? Well, there's an international Baptist church in Jerusalem where my cousin, Reverend Alex, who's the pastor. Uh, there aren't many Baptists actually in all of Palestine. There are a number of institutions mm -hmm. like the hospital you mentioned in Gaza. And there's another hospital uh, in uh, Nablus in the West Bank uh, that has some uh, Baptist uh, influence. There's a Baptist village where there's like a conference center. There are very few Baptists. There are very few evangelicals, actually. But you know, the Christian presence, not just the Baptist presence in Palestine, has always been much greater than its numbers hmm. through its institutions. Uh, and, and that continues to be the case today. Uh, and in Gaza, it's not just the Baptists, but other Christians also have a very powerful presence. Uh, one of the churches where 
some of my relatives are hiding, finding refuge even now uh, with, with Israeli snipers shooting at them every once in a while. Uh, as, uh, you know, one of the oldest churches of Christendom, about 1600 years old, is a church in Gaza. So there are Christians in Gaza and there are a few Baptists uh, among them as well. Okay. So, when, um, yeah, the final question I, I do want to ask is, you know, when it comes to this subject, you know, I think most American Christians and Baptists, um, they are, you know, they don't like seeing the bloodshed, you know, on either side. We hate seeing uh, the children, especially, you know, even the ones who don't like Palestinians very much. You know, you don't want to see the women and children suffering. Uh, it, it is a terror. It is, it's a terrible thing, you know, and you know, I think we all love the land too. You know, we love the Bible history that's there and, and visiting it. And, you know, um, I want to be able to go and visit these places and I want to feel safe and all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to us over here in America, is there anything we can do to actually support peace in these areas? What, what could we do to help? Is there anything? Absolutely. Right now, the United States is the only thing that's preventing a ceasefire, mm. that's preventing an end to the suffering, that's providing these, these 2,000 pound bombs that are devastating buildings. And they're doing it even without going through Congress because they don't want a mm. discussion. Uh, so the United States is definitely part of the problem. Mm. I wish we can be part of the solution, or at least that we as, as Americans would be neutral, mm -hmm. be a force for peace, rather than be a force for blocking peace. Right now, there's a case before the International Court of Justice for genocide. Mm. Uh, I hope the United States will not try to block it. Mm -hmm. They've already blocked the United Nations call for a ceasefire through their veto at the Security Council. The entire world is looking there and seeing a level of destruction, particularly of civilians, of children, of journalists, mm -hmm. of doctors and hospitals that has been unseen in previous wars throughout the world. And I hate it that the United States, mm -hmm. my country, and I'm a U.S. citizen, is involved on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. Rather than trying to bring an end to it and bring some peace to it, they are saying, giving them the green light, keep going, keep going as long as you want until you totally destroy Hamas and basically until you totally destroy Gaza. Right, right. 85% of Gazans today have been kicked out of their homes and their homes have been destroyed after they left them. Mm -hmm. And it's still continuing. Yes. Well, it, it, it's my opinion that I do think our government is losing favor with the people. I think more and more people are like ready for this to go away. But they're dragging their feet so much before they're actually taking a real response against it that it is it's, a lot of damage is still being done. And I, I think we're heading for this with the American people saying enough's enough, but it's just like how much more loss of life is there going to be before that happens? It's, it's taken yeah. too long. 
And as Americans, we're losing a lot of sympathy throughout the Middle East, mm -hmm. throughout the third world. Because if, if we don't stand consistently for international law, for respect for people, for stopping attacks on civilians. I mean, we, we, we talk that language in the Ukraine, mm -hmm. but we don't talk that language in Israel-Palestine. And after a while, people say, you, you guys are hypocrites. Yes. We don't, we, we, we don't take your words seriously when you say you're in favor of human rights and democracy and freedom, uh, when you're allowing Israel to get away with basically genocide yes. that we see every day. No, you're right. It's the ultimate hypocrisy to see the way they respond to Ukraine and then Palestine. And it is, it's, you, you often wonder how is the world looking at us? And, you know, and I think it's, it's clear from talking well, to you, it's, it's not good. We know we, we've seen the votes at the United Nations. We've seen the demonstrations throughout the world. We've seen people totally, even in this country, really, really, uh, uncomfortable with what's happening and wanting it to end at least we can pray mm -hmm. we can pray for peace right we can pray for an end we can Amen. pray for a ceasefire Amen. and and if, if nothing else we can pray about it and we can write to our representative saying this is not what this is not what jesus would want right yes yeah so i know that what's driving a lot of this pro-Israel support uh, in America is it is it's bad theology. It's a Zionist theology that has crept into our churches. Is this theology as prevalent in other countries as it is in the United States, or is this more of an American thing? It's certainly led by America, but it's not only in America. Okay. We, we've seen American missionaries uh, export that theology yes it's people in Latin America to some people in Africa but it's it's primarily led by the United States some in England and other countries but mostly the United States yeah I'm finding that out as I've interviewed people from other countries about certain theology where I think Americans are wrong typically when it's in these other countries it it came from Americans so it's it's amazing not only have we been like building this, global empire but we've been building a theological empire that in reality is caters towards the jews when we're supposed to be you know we're, we're supposedly a christian nation so it, it, it's very frustrating but i i appreciate the stand you're taking again you got my attention when i heard you talking about genesis 12 and the scriptures and just nailing it and you know I, i'm I'm glad you're getting it right. I'm glad you're putting your voice out there. I appreciate you coming on here and just uh, giving people an opportunity to hear things, you know, from a more Palestinian perspective, but a Christian Palestinian perspective. And I believe, you know, all the things that you have said to me are the embodiment of what Christianity stands for. And we've got, we, we need to get back to that in America. Yeah, yeah. So. this is, it's, it's our task in every age, in every country, to seek out what is God's will, rather than be uh, led by the nose, by the world, into, into things that are clearly not, not what God wants us to be.
we should be a shining light. We should be, a, we should have good news for people mm -hmm. uh, in the world rather than supporting things that are really ugly and hurtful uh, to God and to God's children. Amen. Well, hey, thank you again. I appreciate you coming on here so much. Do you, uh, are there any uh, like websites, anything, if people want to look up you up and learn yeah, more about you, you'd recommend? Can, yeah, they can look up uh, Fosna, F-O-S-N-A dot org. Okay. And uh, I usually write something every week there. Uh, they can download uh, uh, some of my materials. Uh, my book, Beyond the Two-State Solution, you can download it for free. Uh, the other book, The Truth Shall Set You Free, you can get an audio or regular, but you have to pay for that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave some links in the description of this video so people can you. look you up. And so... Again, keep up the good work, and thank you so much for coming on this program. And and uh, just want to thank everyone who watched this. I hope uh, it was enlightening. I hope it was informative and and helpful. And let's pray for uh, things over in Israel and Palestine, and pray that they will uh, come to a peaceful resolution real soon. So I appreciate everyone watching this. God bless you. We'll see y'all next time.